the book of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I want to take you to the very end of that chapter. Begin reading with verse number 46. Luke chapter 6 and 46. Jesus speaking said, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, when you do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it. Amen. For it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the streams did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. I want you to underscore the middle part of verse 48. It said, And when the flood arose, and he goes on to say that the stream beat vehemently upon that. It beat heavily upon it, but it could not shake it. I want to... For a lack of a better title tonight, I want to talk to you about flood insurance. Everybody say flood insurance. You may be seated. You know, I like to fly first class. Now, go ahead and judge me that I'm a little bit too uppity or say that I think I'm better than other people, that I have to sit in that reserved section at the very front. Why do they make you pass through that to get to your seat in the back? You know, there's doors on the back of planes. Why don't they just let you go in and take your punishment? But no, 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 no. They have to parade you by all those people that's already got in. They're already seated. They already have a drink or something. They already have a newspaper. They already look important. And they all look at you like, poor soul. If you had my money, you wouldn't be walking down that aisle. But the truth is, if you've flown lately, you know what I'm talking about when I tell you that planes are shrinking, at least the part that I fly in. And comfort is disappearing. Leg room, you know, they're getting so close that I think their object is so you can feed the person in front of you because they're cutting room so tightly that you used to fold your clothes and put them up. Now you have to fold yourself and put yourself in the the in the seat leg room is dwindling meals are non-existent even peanuts have been cut out and don't you dare ask for a whole can of soda because that is about all you're going to get but if you have ever been beyond the veil if you've ever flown first class, you know what I'm talking about. If that's ever been, been, been your privilege, you soon discover what you've been missing. For one thing, there's leg room. And for a tall person, that means something. But more than that, the seats, they look like king-size beds compared to that 
one you have to go to. Armrest. You have your own armrest. Not only that, but hot towels. They have newspapers and magazines and real cutlery, not plastic. They don't bring it out in this styrofoam thing you have to peel the lid off of and you wonder what it is. They put it on china and they serve it to you and you eat with dignity like a human. Anybody want to change your reservations? Now, let me go back to what I said in the beginning. I said I like to fly first class. I don't say that I do. I don't fly first class most often because I don't fly a lot anymore and I don't have a zillion miles to use to upgrade. And to fly first class costs a lot. Anybody ever priced first class? I mean, you ever gone just out of curiosity to see what it costs? The last time I had to fly overseas, I thought, you know what? That's a long flight. And it'd be nice to be able to fly first class. So I looked at my fare, what it would be if I just flew regular. And then I went over to first class and I about had a heart attack. I think it was like seven, $8,000. And they had one that was $10,000. <clears> now, I don't think you're any different than I am. Most people are the same. What, what we really hope for is that when we step up to that podium with our peanut ticket, the one that we got 60 days in advance, and that is the midnight special, we're, we're like everybody else. We're just hoping that we can step up to that podium with our peanut fare and check in and by some fluke of nature or by some, some uh, maybe it's just because we are so charming or we are so good looking or we are so well dressed that the attendant is going to say, sir, this is your lucky day. We are upgrading you to first class. Now, am I the only one that ever thinks that might happen? You just cross your eyes. You look pitiful. You look so tired if you just had a little more. And you throw out those little things like, oh, man, just if I just had a little room, if I just, you know, you try to put on that most distinguished look, you whine enough, maybe they'll feel sorry for you. I think most of us would like to fly first class. We would like to to coin a phrase that is often used in our time. We would like the blessing. We we would like a blessing. You know, it would be a blessing if if they just uh, smile and put us on up there where we want to be. It would be so blessed to be able to have all of that extra leg room. I don't know anybody that doesn't want a blessed life. How, when was the last time you turned down a blessing? I mean, even if it's a cut in line at Luby's on Sunday morning, <laughs> you're going to take advantage of that opportunity because there's something in us that wants that. There's something in human nature. I, I don't have to cheat the system I can be blessed, I want to be blessed, and I would like to be blessed. But the real reason that I don't fly first class is because I don't want to have to pay for it. Bottom line, call me cheap if you want to. But before you call me that, ask yourself when was the last time you you flew first class. We don't fly first class because we don't want to pay the price. Oh, we like to think that that peanut fare is going to be our lottery ticket. And we can pay $79 and get in 60 days ahead and and then come to that eventful day and be blessed 
and ushered in to that first class cabin where others had paid a thousand or fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars for their ticket. We want the blessed life, but most often we're not willing to pay for the blessed life. You see, the issue is not the want to. The issue in life is the will to. Because everybody wants a better situation. But far too many are unwilling to pay the price to get it. We want better jobs. And too many people spend all of their time complaining about the lack of opportunity or they complain about the favoritism of their boss to others or they gripe about the advantages of those who know how to work the system but they are unwilling to look in the mirror and say to themselves that if I just work a little harder, I might have the advantage that I want to have in that job. People want better homes, but they want to buy it like better homes and gardens at a dollar fifty a copy. People want better marriages. But they never invest the time to make it such. I, Sister Jones, I thought about your sweet husband this afternoon. One of Brother Jones' favorite sayings was that if you want her to treat you like a king, then treat her like a queen. Now, don't nudge anybody. You might knock them off their props there, but... You know, the fact is, there are a lot of folks that want a better marriage, but if they would spend as much time, let me rephrase that. We spend so much time criticizing and running down the spouse that if we spent that amount of time praising And admonishing them in a good way, we would get what we want. But that cost. And so we would like to think that we're going to get that without paying the price. I am convinced that if we spend as much time building each other up as we do tearing each other down, we would all be better off. People want a better future. They just don't want to have to invest in what it's going to take to have a better future. There's a way to a blessed life. And anyone that is of any kind of understanding knows what I mean when I say that. There is a way to a blessed life. Does anybody want to venture what the answer to that question might be? Pay the price. Could you say that with me? Pay the price. Life is not a lottery. It's not wondering if your tea leaves helped you this morning or if your horoscope and your birthday and the date and the time and the weather and the temperature outside all converge into the right numbers that's going to be your lucky highball day. There's a lot of folks that live like, you know what, as strange as it may sound, there's a lot of folks around church that live that way. Jesus had a way of getting a message through like no one else. It was simple And yet it was so profound and so direct that you could not mistake what he was trying to get at. And for a lack of a better analogy, what we have looked at tonight is simply Jesus offering people a first-class life. He is offering them a first-class existence. One that could withstand 
the storm and the strain of life. One that could withstand the pressures and the beatings that come with living this thing called life. One that could withstand the sudden changes of life. One that could outlive the length of any storm. And he offered men the key to that first class life. A life that according to what Luke said, the way Luke recorded this, it was a life that could not be shaken. I love that phrase. It could not shake it. No matter what strikes, no matter what assails, no matter what beats on it, it is unshakable. And Jesus simply yet profoundly paints a picture of how that kind of life can be had. Success or failure are summed up in a simple story about two houses and two builders. And the lesson that it conveys is so simple. And the price for ignoring it is so great. Let me read it to you again. Would you do that? He said, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it. For it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. At the center of this message is one central difference. It was the foundation. Everybody say the foundation. The issue of our hour is not cultural. It is foundational. It is not whether an old way of life or a newer way of looking at things is the better of the two. What we are struggling with in the world in which we live right now are foundational issues. They are the difference between stability and instability, between being able to withstand or being brought down or succumbing to the pressures of life. You see, there were two houses and two different approaches to life. There were two different uh, ways of going about doing basically the same thing that was building a house. But there were two outcomes as well, and both eternally different and drastically different in their end. As far as the buildings were concerned, I am quite certain that they were both externally alike because as it is in most cultures, you build with the products that are available to you in the area. And so much like in your own neighborhood, there's a certain likeness Although the design may be different, there's a certain likeness to all of the homes in your subdivision. There, there's a certain likeness to the bricks and, and the facade. There, the details may be a little different, but there is an external look about them that puts them all together in that same locale. And so I am convinced tonight that externally, what you saw externally, there was no real difference between the two homes. 
people who put all of their confidence in externals are in for a great disappointment in life. And we live in a culture and in a world that is obsessed with the external. We put so much time and energy into the external. We paint up the outside. We, we, we modify the look of the outside. And we ignore the internal issues that are critical to our survival. When the inside is crumbling, it doesn't matter what the outside looks like. When the inside is breaking apart and falling down, it doesn't matter how many times you go tan. I know most of you don't do that. I just threw it out for shock factor to wake some of you up because some of you are getting heavy-eyed. How do you follow that up? Both of them appeared to be okay. Everybody say appeared. But you know as well as I do that appearances are deceiving. I have no doubt that they were both built skillfully, as skillfully as could be. Both were built comfortably. Both were built, no doubt, as strong as they could make them. But the issue was the foundation. The fundamental issue was the foundation. And that is a fundamental principle that goes through all of life. Anyone with a brain or intelligence or the ability to think and reason knows that you cannot ignore the foundation and expect a good outcome. And yet the truth is we are continually ignoring at all times the things that we know to be true. We still are looking for good stuff in bad places. People are still looking for good outcomes with unhealthy relationships. You know, if you sleep with a skunk, not that I'm inferring that your spouse is a skunk by any means. Don't take me there. But my point is, if you sleep with that, you're going to smell like that. The things that I fellowship have an influence on me. It doesn't matter what I say, what my strengths are. It doesn't bother me. I am here to tell you that before the day is over with, you're going to be acting and smelling and doing just like the environment that you live in. We try to build a good life out of bad materials and, and can understand why things keep falling apart. <clears throat> we want blessed lives, but we try to cobble them together without considering the critical issue. We try to build success while ignoring that undesirable thing called a foundation. And that's what's wrong with our world right now. That's what's wrong with our culture. But that's what's wrong in the church too. Because we have increasingly become hearers of the word. But not doers of the word. We are increasingly becoming a church that loves the entertainment of a Sunday but don't know how to live on a Monday. We are a, a, a culture and we have become a, 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 a movement of people that know 
what should be done, but we are not often doing what should be done. What is a blessed life worth? What is it worth to you? What is peace worth to you? What is harmony worth to you? What is, what, what, what is just laying down at night and knowing that all is well? What is that worth? What kind of price tag can we put? Who would not want and desire a blessed life? The richest life that there could be. And who would not desire that that be their favor? When, when one looks at life, all of us look at life in that term. We want the blessed life. Jesus said, well, I just have a secret to tell you. It's really not a secret. There is a way to a blessed life. There's a way. Anyone who tells you that there is another way is telling you something that is untrue. Because there is one way to have a blessed life. A life that can't be shaken. A life that no matter how troubling and no matter how fierce the winds are it cannot shake that life that no matter what happens no matter how changeable life is no matter how sudden the storm comes into your life there is a life that can be unshakable but you have to pay a price for it amen you can't find it Taco Bell. Now, some folks are convinced that Taco Bell is the highest of the food chain of Mexican food. But if you've got that mentality, I need to introduce you to Lupi Tortillas or Nymphas or Lupis or, or Lunas downtown. That, that there's, there's something better. But you know what? You can eat Taco Bell so long that you think Man, it doesn't get any better than this. And if you understand my analogy, we live in a world where that has become the case. We have convinced ourselves that this is as good as it gets. When the truth is, there is a way to a blessed life, and that is to pay the price. Now, there are several things that, that the Lord really... He's been talking to me about this for several days, but there are several things about this little passage of Scripture that I want to give to you before I let you go. And I'm going to, I'm going to wind it up in about 10 minutes. All right? You can stay awake 10 more minutes. Okay, 10 minutes. Number one, if you want the blessed life, you cannot ignore what he says and be blessed. I didn't ask you if you liked what he said or if you agree with what he said or if it's palatable to you or if it just rubs you. It doesn't matter how it affects me. I cannot ignore what he says in this book and succeed in life. And the reason the world is doing its best to unravel this book is because it's the only book in the world that has the absolutes in it that this book has. And we're trying to find another way to create a blessed life. Or we're trying to reinvent the, the rules of happiness when God put them down here in this book. And he said there's some ways to happiness and you cannot ignore these and be happy. There's a way to righteousness and you cannot ignore these things and find peace. He that heareth these sayings of mine doesn't matter that I don't like it. Anybody ever had to do something you didn't like in life? I know you have. You've had to eat something you didn't like. Brussels sprouts. Green beans. Asparagus. There's something about life that 
We just we, we balk at the things that we don't like, and we think that that's the measure of truth when the fact is, if he said it, I need to do it whether I like it or not. And if I will do it, I will be blessed. If I do it, I will find what I'm looking for. But if I ignore it, that ignorance cannot be undone. The ruin that it brings. Number two, let me go a step further and say that you cannot be blessed not only if you do not do hear what he says, but you cannot be blessed if you do not do what he says. There's a lot of folks that have heard, but they're not willing to do. You cannot be blessed if you don't do it. We have a lot of folks that are in, uh, that, that are compromising their future simply because they don't want to do what this book tells them to do. I think we need our doer fixed. I don't know if that's a word or not, but we need our doers fixed. Because in the doing of the word, in the doing of the command, there is a blessing that is unshakable. Number three, success doesn't come in life without effort. I love it. I, I, when I read this passage this past week, I... I've read it several times, and I've gone back to it many times in my ministry. But I love how the Lord describes the first man. He said he digs deep. Now, I don't know. You don't need a real uh, Webster dictionary to explain what the word dig means, do you? Dig. But he didn't just dig. He digs deep. He he gets down into the, 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 the dirty part of it. If you want a better life, if I want a better future, if I want a better home, if I want a better marriage, then I have got to put some effort into that. You can't sit and watch Dr. Phil and expect to have a good marriage or have a good relationship. You can't, you can't just read all of... Vincent, Norman Vincent Peale's books about positive mental attitude and get up and, 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 and everything do exactly what you read. You're going to have to put some effort into it. There's got to be some shoe leather put into it. There's got to be some sweat equity that's put into it. And I know that's a curse word. We don't like that word sweat, perspire. But if you want... Anything in life, you can't have it without work. You've got to get down into the dirty part of life. It won't come without some kind of effort. People sit around and criticize the church because it's not better than it is. Not anybody here, but there are people that do criticize the church because it's not better than it is. And they always, they always have something negative to say about it. Now, always, always have something bad to say about it. But if they put as much effort into building it up as they did in trying to tear it down, they would find a much different outcome in their own life. It takes work to make things better in life. Everybody say work. You're having a hard time with somebody in the church? It's not going to get better unless you work on it. It's not going to improve if you don't put your hands in the soil and try to put some effort into it. You want a better relationship with people? You want a better spouse? You didn't think you came to Wednesday night service for this, did you? It takes effort. You've got to work on it. You've got to work at it to make it work. Number four. What becomes very clear in the flood was the difference of the unseen. The foundation is not something that is often applauded nor is it praised. But it is fundamental to the success of the building. 
In human life, it is often overlooked and forgotten. And we try to build lives on unstable ground. But there's a lot to be said about those unseen things that we do that help make our life better or they make our life weaker. You know, character is not what you are when you show up at church. Character is what you are when you're all by your lonesome and the devil sitting on your, your, your passenger seat filling your mind full of all the things that you could do and nobody would know. Nobody. Nobody's going to figure out what's happened, but it's what we do in those unseen moments that makes the difference in our life. It's that, no, you know, nobody, I, I don't know, I ought to be offended, but I, I've just learned not to be. Pastoring will do that to you. But as long as we've been here, I have had people come in this building and brag to the high heaven, oh, Brother Hughes, y'all have such a beautiful building. My Lord, this is so pretty. I've never had anybody come in here and say, Man, what a foundation. But if there had not been a proper foundation, this building would not have stood the test of time or the pressures or the winds or all of the storms that have come against it through the years, it takes a solid foundation. It's that unseen part. It's the prayer room that nobody gets any applause for. It's when you get in the closet and you cover yourself in prayer and nobody knows about it. It's not on the front line of worship. It's not leading a keyboard instrument or being in a Sunday school office or being in the foyer greeting. It's doing those behind the scene things that makes for a strong and powerful church. It's the things that you do for your family when nobody's looking. It's the sacrifices that you make. It's the part that you never talk about. It's the part that you never brag about that makes the difference. It was the unseen. And, that, and, and the fifth thing is that this story conveys to me a very simple but profound truth that there are no shortcuts to the blessed life. You cannot build with inferior material and expect an extraordinary outcome. I I hate to use the analogy, but (laughs) in the world, they say of people that they have champagne taste, but they have a beer budget. Now, I know there's got to be a a better way of putting that, but the simple fact is that we want to build with whatever comes and we don't understand why it doesn't morph into some mansion that's deserving to be put over in River Oaks. It costs. Everybody say it costs. It costs to have a better church. Amen. Amen. It costs to have a better house. It costs to have a better family. It costs to have a better marriage. It costs to have a better companion. It costs to have a better job. It costs to have better life. It costs to have better kids. And I mean in more ways than one. There's got to be an investment of time. There's got to be an investment of effort. You can ignore those key things and then wonder why you're not being blessed. I'm going to get real personal. There's a lot of problems in marriages nowadays, not just here but everywhere, across the board. It's proven by the statistics of divorce and all of that. But I'm not here to, to, to beat an old drum. But this is what, if I could... If, if I could get one thing through to any couple is that if you want to be complimented, learn how to compliment. 
Don't sit around all day wondering why she hadn't noticed how good looking you are. When you've not commented on how pretty she is. Don't call her the old lady. But expect her to act like a diva. My Lord, I didn't even know. This isn't even in my notes. You're getting this all for free. It's amazing what happens when my mind wanders, the the anointing comes. I don't know which one. You cannot build without investing. There are no shortcuts. Everybody say that. There are no shortcuts. There is no free lunch. Amen. And last but not least, the price for ignoring this lesson is so great that I cannot even begin to express to you how serious it is. Jesus said it like this. The ruin of that house was great. The ruin of that house was great. How do you want your life to be described? Oh, they look good. Oh, they appear to be all right. But when life sets in and when the storms rise, everything begins to fall apart. You see, it's not a matter of if or could it happen. Storms will happen in every life. You see, the weather of life will not always be so good as your imagination has dreamed it should be. And when the flood arose, underline the word, and when, floods will come. Floods will stress everything that can be stressed. They will press everything that can be pressed. They will beat everything that can be beaten. It will test everything that can be tested. Floods will come to every life, every relationship, every home, every family, every person in this building. And what the flood discovers is going to be up to you. What it discovers is going to be up to you. Will it find something that is unshakable? Blow all you want to blow? Rain all you want to rain? Beat all you want to beat? But you're not going to beat me down? And you're not going to wash me out? And you're not going to wash me away? Because I paid a price? A long time ago, and I'm still paying a price today. I'm not afraid of the effort. I'm not afraid of the work. I'm not afraid of the strain. I'm not afraid of doing. I'm not afraid of being. Because that is the difference between the life that we desire and the one that is undesired by everyone. You can have a stable life. And you can have stability to face life and its troubles if you have the right foundation. Strain is not going to stress you out. Its pressures are not going to immobilize you. It's just going to prove what you are, a well-built life. What the flood discovers was not poor drawing are poor design, but poor decisions. Amen. Poor decisions. Let's stand. Foundational issues are what are destroying our country right now. I saw today that they had a pastoral council about Upcoming issues on the voting ballot, evidently in Houston. Do 
They can meet all they want to meet and talk all they want to talk. But if we don't do something about what we say we believe, our talking is nothing but vain. Foundational issues of our country right now are being shaken because nobody wants to pay the price. We have been conditioned by a drive-through culture that you can pull up to one window and order it. And 30 seconds later, you can have it your way. And we don't understand why when we run into troubles in families and homes and in life that they don't work out that simple. And so we give up and we throw in the towel. We say, well, it's not for me. I just don't like you or I can't stand you. The real problem is it costs to have a strong family. It costs to have a strong church. It costs to have a strong life. It costs to have a stable life. Amen. It's not some mystery that God has granted some people some privileges and others just have to go back to the back of the plane, sit in cramped quarters. The reason that they're in first class is because somebody paid for it. And if we want a first-class life, the best flood insurance I know is to have a good foundation. The best flood insurance that I know of is to not only be a hearer of the Word, but to be a doer of the Word. The best flood insurance that I know of is to be a man or a woman that's not afraid to put time and energy and effort into homes and relationships and all of the things that make life worthwhile. I am convinced that if we spent more time doing that than we spend whining about the unfairness of life, we would find ourselves in much better quarters. Somebody asked, does real religion make any difference in life? Does it really matter if you do right or you don't do right? Does it matter if you build right or you don't build right? Does it matter if you live right or you don't? Is there any real difference in life? According to Jesus, there is. Amen. My question to you tonight is, how do you want your life to be described? Unshakable or ruined? After all the effort, after doing all you do to be human and to live and go through all of that and to get to the end or get in the storm and find out that you have been pouring yourself into all the wrong things. I don't know about you, but I want to become a doer of the Word. I, I want to not be afraid of a little effort and a little work. And I think all of us could work on some things tonight. I think all of us could draw a little closer to God. Amen. We want to know why we're not as spiritual as we ought to be. Really, just why don't I feel as close to God as I used to feel? Probably because I'm not doing the things that I used to do that made me feel close to God. I had a man tell me one time, he said, you know, the older I get, the less I have to pray. (laughs) I thought, man, the older I get, the more I need to pray. But we have developed this mentality that there's something about life that, you know, it doesn't cost as much as we thought it did or does does that's the right word the truth is if you want to build something that will last it's going to cost you and it doesn't matter what happens it doesn't matter the storm that breaks over your life or your family if you have the right foundation nothing can shake it I love that nothing
It could not be shaken. And believe me, I am convinced that if the storm could have done it, it would have. But it couldn't. Because somebody had invested the time. They had put in the effort. They had digged deep. Amen. Praise God. Dig deep. Dig deep. Dig deep. That's what you do when you're in church and, and it's kind of dead. And some people check out. Some people go ahead and go on to Six Flags. You know, they go ahead and go on to Whataburger or whatever in their mind, not in their body. But there's others that start digging. They dig a little deeper. They pray a little more fervently. They worship a little more heartily. They, 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 they say, you know what, I don't feel like it, but I, I, I get up on my feet one more time and I lift my voice. What are we doing? We're digging a little deeper because it costs to have a good church. It costs to have a revival church. It costs to have a church where God's glory is poured out. It doesn't come with us just showing up. Somebody's got to be willing to dig a little deeper. The Bible says Jesus went to the garden. He left his disciples in one place, but Scripture says he went a little further. He went a little further. That's where I want to go. I want to go a little further. Reach over and take somebody by the hand right now. God, help us tonight. We're all in this thing called life. We're all struggling. None of us have made it, Lord. As much as we like to think we have, none of us have made it. None of us, Lord, are exempt from pressures and stress and trouble. Oh, God, if we would only wake up and realize tonight that the simple truth is, if we would just be willing to pay the price, if we would just be willing to pay the price, we can have a better life, we can have a better home, we can have a better future, we can find ourselves in a better financial situation, we can find ourselves in a better place for the future if we will just try and work a little harder and do a little more if we will go a little further, if we'll dig a little deeper.